Good morning. It's hard not to interpret. <laughs> so forgive me if I do. This is my first time preaching. And it may be your first time seeing a woman preach. So I'm thankful that we're a family, that we have grace for each other um, as we seek the Lord together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your word and how it comes alive and how it ministers to us. And Lord, I pray, as Isabel already said this morning, that we would be able to humbly come before you and trust in you, like the last song said that we sing, let go of my soul and trust in God. Holy Spirit, please be with each person here in this room. Speak to them as you will in this morning. Amen. All right. So the message is going to be interactive this morning. So the first thing we're going to do is I want you to divide into groups with the people around you. Um, groups of four or five. And set your group, physically set your group up in a way that you can be listening and then go back and talk and then be listening and go back and talk because that's that's what's going to happen. All right? And then if I talk to you about leading a group, if you could come up front, please. Okay, so other than the leaders, everybody else is getting together in groups of four or five right now, please. Okay, so every group has someone with a yellow envelope. Yes, every group has a discussion leader. Yeah? Okay. All right, so today I want to preach from what God has been teaching me in the past several months. And much of what I've been learning has come from God speaking to me through the book of Job. We're going to talk about the book of Job seeking to answer this question. How should we respond when life is confusing? So to start out, I want you to think about your own life. Has your life ever been confusing? Have you ever stood in the midst of a circumstance and asked God, why is this happening? Or what are you doing, God? I don't understand. I'll confess that I have plenty of questions about my own life, but I also have questions about some of you all's lives. I wonder about Sergio. Why is it that we have prayed for years and years and years that his wife would forgive him and she can his ex-wife and she continues to be angry and bitter and refuse to talk to him? Why is it that if friends' kidneys are failing, 
Why is it that Nancy struggles with debilitating headaches that cause her to miss out on good things like Sunday morning and she had to leave the retreat early because of her headaches? Why is it that Emmanuel and Nidia and their whole family, we've been praying for their dad's salvation for their whole life? and he's still not saved. Why is it that members in this body have particular sins that they struggle with and they're begging God to remove it, to remove the struggle, and they still are struggling? They haven't experienced victory. I could go on and on and on, but I think those are enough examples. Now I want you to think about your own life again. Has your life ever been confusing? Are you currently in a confusing situation? Is there anything right now in your life that you can look at and say, I don't understand this, God. I don't understand why this is happening. Does everyone have something in mind? <laughs> in my classroom I used to say give me a thumbs up <laughs> thumbs up everybody has something in mind <laughs> alright so now um, I'm going to ask the group leaders in your, in your envelope there's a paper I want you to take it out and I want you to give one to each person in your group along with a pencil or a pen which should also be in your envelope and as you're receiving this this is called a graphic organizer don't get scared, it's just a way of, of organizing information in a simple way. And what I want you to do is, now that you've thought about the confusing situation, I want you to write it down in that middle circle. So up here, if you look at the screen, it's the red circle, the circle in the middle that says a confusing situation. I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to write down the situation. You don't have to go into detail, just a simple a simple something. Um, yes, please choose one. I know, you could have multiple, but for the sake of the, of the way we're thinking about it, choose one. The dominant one. The most confusing one. <laughs> Alright. Got it? You have something written down? Okay, now what I'm going to do now is ask you to share. But, for the sake of time, probably not everybody is going to get to share this first time around. But, we're going to go back and forth, like I said before. So if you don't get to share this time, don't worry, there'll be another opportunity. So maybe just a couple of people from your group right now, in your groups, share out to your group about your confusing situation. Go ahead. All right. Like I said, if you didn't get a chance to share now, you'll get a chance to share later, all right? But let's keep going. So now that you've heard some of your examples of the people within your group, I want to give you my example. And this is my graphic organizer over here. So my example is the 2016 United States elections. 
I don't mean confusing situation in the sense of, oh, who should I vote for the night before? I mean that this entire situation, that the, what's happening in our country politically has been a huge thing that I have wrestled with God about. Um, a huge questioning, faith-shifting kind of thing. So that's my example. Now, you've heard my example. You've heard examples of people in your group. You've thought of your own. Now let's go to the Bible. I'm going to briefly summarize the book of Job for us. And then we'll go back to the graphic organizer and fill one out for the main character in this book, Job. So, Job is in the Old Testament. The main characters are Job and Job's three friends. There's actually a fourth friend, but he's at the end. The main characters are three of his friends. Their names are Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Now Job, he's um, described in the Bible as being very wealthy, the greatest of all the people of the East. Um, it says he had 11,000 flocks, like between camels and donkeys and, and all these things. Uh, the Bible also says that he's blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And it's not just the narrator in the story of Job that tells us this. God himself in the story says of Job that he is blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And then the other main character is God. Now going back to Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, these three friends, according to scholars, represent the best of ancient Near Eastern thinking about God. So these are smart men, men who, like the best of the best in the thinking about God. Now let's talk about the events. I divided it into seven parts so that it would be easy to understand. And there's a, a, um, a picture for each part. So in part one of Job, of the book of Job, there's a meeting in heaven. And the meeting in heaven is between God and these angelic beings. But it says that Satan is also present at this meeting. And God points out Job and he says, have you noticed this man Job? He is a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. And Satan responds to God, well the reason he's blameless and upright is because you have blessed his life, because you've rewarded him with all these things. He's, he's wealthy, he has a wonderful life. And, and Satan says, what would happen if you took all that away? Do you think that he'd still be blameless and upright? Do you think that he would still be righteous? So God gives Satan permission to mess with Job a little bit. He gives him permission to take away these things that Satan is saying are the reason that Job is righteous. So in part two, Job loses everything. There he is. You can't see him very well, but he's, his, all of his flocks either die or get stolen. His children all die in an accident. His property is destroyed. And finally, he's afflicted from head to toe with these sores. That's part two. Moving on to part three, Job's friends, his three friends, come to visit him. It says that they heard 
what happened and that they felt compassion and they wanted to go and they they go and they mourn with Job at first and then in part four they stay around and Job and his friends analyze Job's situation why is this happening why is this happening to you why are you suffering they begin to talk about that and that's what most of the book is is these conversations between Job and his friends in part five God shows up and he talks to Job and he takes Job on this tour of the universe and um, basically talks about his creation and shows how big he is he never talks about Job's suffering he never answers Job's question questions he just talks about how big he is in part six Job is humbled by that interaction with God he's humbled by that conversation with God and he repents and in part seven God reprimands Job's friends. He says that they've spoken wrongly about him. And he restores Job's health and his fortune. So now, with a basic understanding of Job's story, let's go back to the graphic organizer. Remember, we're talking about situations that are confusing to try to answer the question, how should we respond when life is confusing? So for Job, if Job were writing a graphic organizer of his own life, I've decided that he would say that the confusing situation can you all see this? is that Job has painful sores from head to toe can you see it Nide? Okay. Job has painful sores from head to toe there's other things that happen too but I had to choose one right so this is the dominant thing that he talks about as um, as he's going through the story listen to how he describes his situation in chapter 7 he says when I lie down I think how long before I get up the night drags on and I toss and turn until dawn my body is clothed with worms and scabs my skin is broken and festering later he goes on to say my breath is offensive to my wife I am loathsome to my family even the little boys scorn me when I appear they ridicule me all my intimate friends detest me those I love have turned against me I am nothing but skin and bones I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth it's a bad situation, right? Now, as we've already said in Job's situation, as he's going through it, he's not on his own. He has these friends that are with him. And for us, as part of a church body, we don't go through life situations on our own either. We're walking with others, with other believers. And what other Christians tell us about our situation can have a lot of influence on us. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. So let's consider, what are other Christians saying about the situation? In Job's situation, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar are telling Job that it's, his suffering is because he sinned. God is punishing Job for sin. Now, as a side note, remember that God himself said Job is blameless and upright. 
So that can't be true, right? But Job and his friends, they didn't get to hear this conversation between God and, and Satan, so they don't know that. And based on the friend's understanding of God, God punishes sin and he rewards righteousness. So if Job is being, if Job is suffering, it is as a punishment for sin. Now, what about my situation? What were other Christians saying leading up to the 2016 United States elections? I'm going to oversimplify a very complicated thing, okay? There was a group of Christians. I know, these look like a lot of words, and that's the simple version. There's, there was a group of Christians saying, vote Democrat, because God cares and he wants us to care about the immigrant, the poor, and the earth. And those are all things that Democrats care about. There was another group of people saying, vote Republican, because God doesn't want babies to be aborted. He wants us to have religious freedom in this country, and he wants marriage to be between a man and a woman. So vote Republican. There was this other group saying, don't vote because neither candidate is in line with God's heart. Don't add your vote to it. So, there's Job's situation, my situation. Now I want you to think about your situation. Go back to your graphic organizer and think about what other Christians are saying about this confusing situation that you're in. Write a couple of words about it and then share out in your group. All right, go ahead and finish up the thoughts. Okay, so, so far, we've talked about the situation, the confusing situation, and we've talked about what other Christians are saying about the situation. Now, let's think about us. What what are you saying about the situation? But let's start with Job. So what is Job saying about his situation? In Job's situation, Job believes that he's innocent. He doesn't agree with his friends that he is being punished for sin. But he also doesn't understand why he's suffering. And so he asks a lot of why questions. Let me give you some examples. All of these, all of these verses that I'm going to read, these are questions he's asking of God. He says, Will you never look away from me or let me alone even for an instant? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, you who see everything we do? Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? Why then did you bring me out of the womb? These are just a couple of the many, many questions that are in Job, that Job is asking God as he tries to figure out, why am I suffering? Why? 
Job also believes that if he were able to be in God's presence, if he were able to, um, to have this moment with God, that he could argue his case with God, and God would listen, and God would understand, and it would all get figured out. And in chapter 23, he says, If only I knew where to find him, referring to God. If only I could go to his dwelling, I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. There the upright can establish their innocence before him, and there I would be delivered forever from my judge. So that's Job. Now what about me? Remember my situation is the U.S. elections. And like Job, I had a lot of questions for God. Why? Why are these candidates the option? Why did they win the primaries? Why is the church so divided on this issue? But at the same time, why does this seem so black and white for some people within the church? So I was asking a lot of questions. I also believed that I can and must figure it out. I've been a Christian for a long time and I have a tendency to be very decided and to feel like I can figure out God's position on almost anything. So, like any good Christian, well, what I need to do is I just have to figure it out. I just have to read the Bible. I need to pray and I need to figure it out. But the more I try to do that, the more confused and frustrated and even angry I got. I could couldn't figure it out. So now, what about your situation? Think about your situation. What do you believe about it? What are your thoughts on that situation? Go ahead and write it down and take some minutes to share it out. Alright, go ahead and finish up what you're sharing. So we've set it all up. We have the situation. We know what Job's friends think about his situation. We know what Job thinks about his situation. 37 chapters into the book of Job, we get to the good part of the story. Because God shows up. It says he shows up in a whirlwind. If you can just picture what that might have been like. And we're going to read a portion of God's response to Job. It's four chapters. We're not going to be able to read all the chapters this morning, but I would encourage you to go home and read them. But as, as we read this portion, I want you to think about two things that are noteworthy that, to pay attention to in God's response. First off, God never mentions Job's situation at all. Not in four chapters. He never talks about Job's suffering. He doesn't answer any of his questions at all. Secondly, it seems like God's purpose in his response is to help Job have a correct perspective of himself. It's as though God is saying, look at how big I am. Do you know? Do you understand how small you are? 
Look at how big I am. Do you understand how small you are? So, I asked Mark to come read in English for us. Nidia's going to read in Spanish. But what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine the scene. Imagine that you're Job. And... You're in the presence of this God of the universe that has shown up in this whirlwind to talk to you. Go ahead. Then the Lord spoke to Job. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans? With words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Will it stay by your manger at night? Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like this? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you.
All right, you can open your eyes. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? That's what God starts out telling Job. Now remember who Job is. This is Job. God boasted about him in a, in a conference meeting in heaven. Look at that guy. He's blameless and upright. So he's not just any guy. This is Job. Job who later in scripture in Ezekiel, um, God names him as three people that he tells Ezekiel, even if these three men, and the three men are Job, Noah, and Moses, even if Job, oh no wait, it wasn't Moses, sorry, Daniel. <laughs> Even if Job, Noah, and Daniel show up right now, I'm still not going to save Israel. That's what God says later. So, so he was in God's top three in Ezekiel of righteous people. Okay? And yet God is, is questioning him. Who are you, Job? Think about who you are. Look at how big I am. Do you understand how small you are? And I was thinking about this with a different example. So in your, in your envelopes, there's a pile of puzzle pieces. Um, if you could get them out and if you could give one to each person in your group right now. All right, so imagine, look at your puzzle piece, check it out. You know what this belongs to, what the big picture is? Can anyone figure it out? All right, can anyone figure it out? Something American. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's as if, just imagine, imagine it this way. This piece represents you. And you come before God's presence. You, your little piece. And you have all these questions. You have all these questions about yourself. God. Why did you choose this shade of blue? Why didn't you make it darker? Why did you choose this shade? God, I don't understand what does this belong to and where does it go in the puzzle? I want to know. I want to know where it goes. You have all these questions. Or perhaps you have some things that you want to explain to God and you think that once you explain them to God, he's going to be like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Let's do that. Kind of like Job. God, you know, this, this corner right here, this corner, it's too, it's too pokey. It's too pokey. I think we should change it. I think it needs to be rounded out. So could, could we change it? Can we take some scissors and, and round it out? Where are my scissors? This is kind of what Job was thinking, right? He's thinking, no, I'm going to explain myself to God. I'm going to explain my situation to God. And he's going to listen to me. And he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. 
Let's round out this corner. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit well with the rest. I need to round it out. But what God is saying is, stop talking. Stop asking questions. Stop. Look for a second at what I'm doing. And he reveals this picture to Job. The big picture. Karina. Here's the big picture. This piece is one in 1,000 of this picture. This is who I am. Look at my bigness. Look at how big I am. Look at how small you are. Do you realize how small you are? But God, I feel like, goes even a little further than that. Because Job thinks this is his piece, okay? He thinks that he's one of 1,000, which feels small, but actually one of 1,000, that's pretty, pretty big, right? One one-thousandth of God's story of humanity would be a pretty important part to play. That God comes, he takes the piece Job thinks he has, and he goes like this. Job. Job, this is you, really. Job. This is you. Can you see it? You think you're this and you want to ask me about the colors and you want to ask me where you go in the big picture, but really you're this. You're even less. You're so, so small and you are not in a place to question the big picture because you don't know, you you can't get it your perspective is limited you are a human and you're limited by time and you're limited by your culture and you're limited by all of these things you can't even in your mind fathom who i am look at how big i am do you understand how small you are so how should we respond when life is confusing? Job's posture after hearing from God is one of humility. Remember, he's been speaking and speaking and speaking for 35 chapters. But once God shows up, Job has very, very little to say. Job talks for a couple, or um, God talks for a couple of chapters, and then Job has this chance to respond, and he says, or the word says, in chapter 40, then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. The ESV in English, um, instead of I am unworthy, it says I am of small account. I like that. I am small. He realized how small he was. Who am I to answer you on, on this, on this little piece of the big picture, this little piece of the puzzle? 
And then God speaks some more for a couple of chapters. And then, at the very end, this is what Job says. In chapter 42, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. It was effective, right? When Job gazed at God's bigness, going back to the, the um, puzzle for a second, if you can, Karina. When God, when Job gazed at God's bigness, when he gazed at the big picture of the universe, he realized how small he was. But how did he get there? How did he gain that perspective? First off, he came face to face with the God of the universe. He came with his puzzle piece in hand, asking questions and wanting answers. And as he gazes at God's greatness, he realizes he's not even this, he's this. And He's humbled into silence. I have nothing else to say to the God of the universe. He also recognized his incredibly limited perspective. In chapter 42, verse 3, it says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. The Bible uses that idea of things too wonderful in other places. Like, it's more than our human mind can, can fathom, more than we can possibly understand. So, Job came face to face with God. Job recognized his incredibly limited perspective. And Job chose to trust God. Now let's consider what this story teaches us. How should we respond when life is confusing? I would suggest that we should respond in humility, trusting God. But how do we gain that perspective? How do we get there? Well, like Job, it starts with spending time in God's presence. But God doesn't frequently appear in a whirlwind. Have any of you seen God in a whirlwind? He doesn't. But on this side of history, on this side of Jesus, on this side of the printing press, on this side of the word being written down, we have his word and we can come face to face with him as we read it. But we have to approach it with the right mindset, seeking God himself and not just seeking answers to our questions, seeking to figure it all out. Perhaps the question to ask ourselves is, do we walk away humble after reading the word? Do we walk away recognizing how small we are? Or do we walk away puffed up, thinking, I got this, God. I figured it out. Let me go tell everybody else. 
ya no entiendo todo y así lo voy a compartir. Understanding the truth of God's word should help us to understand how small we are and how big God is. So it starts with spending time in God's presence, spending time in the word. Then, closely related to that, we must recognize our incredibly limited perspective, which we can only do if we've spent time in God's presence. I don't know about you, but I can get pretty confident about my ability to understand things, my knowledge of God. I did go to Bible college after all. My relationship with God. I've been a believer for a really long time. My ability to figure God out. And usually I think when I, when I confront something confusing, like I already said, that my problem is lack of knowledge. I have to figure it out and I can figure it out. And when I do, then I'll be in the right. So when I read... Um, verses like Isaiah 55 that says, God says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think, okay, that's true, God. You're up here. Your wisdom is up here. But then I read James 1, 5, and it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So the way it works in my head is I think, okay, God, you're up here. Your ways are higher than my ways, but I can ask you for wisdom, and you will give me wisdom, and I will come right here. I can get right here and God is taking me by the head and pushing me down and saying no you can't that's laughable are you serious you really think that the authors in the New Testament um, talk about this too about our limitedness our limited perspective in 1 Corinthians 13 Paul says for we know in part and we prophesy in part did you catch that? know in part in part but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now we have to remember when this was written. Bonnie and I were talking about this the other day. Our mirrors are really good, aren't they? We have these high definition mirrors where you can see everything of your image. But Paul's writing this thousands of years ago and they didn't have that kind of mirror. And probably when he says we see only a reflection is in a mirror, it would be as though you were looking at your reflection in a pot. You know how like you can look in a stainless steel pot and kind of see your reflection? little bit you can kind of it kind of looks like you but it's not a clear reflection and that's how we see and finally we must trust trust that even though we cannot see the full picture see the full puzzle God is at work 
The puzzle is there, even if we don't see it. We look at it and we think, no, God, this just looks like a bunch of unrelated pieces. And God says, no, no, trust me, trust me, it's not, it's this. It's the big picture. Proverbs 3, 5-7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So to finish, let's go back to our situation. I can't give you any easy answers as to what humility and trust looks like in whatever you wrote on your page. All I can say is that I'm confident that if you bring your puzzle piece to God, if you come before God's presence, if you go into the world word seeking God himself, if you ask him, if you bring him your hurt, you bring him your confusion, that he cares and he will listen and he will show you what it looks like to humbly trust him in that situation where you are. Honestly, bring your confusion to God. Trust that He cares and that He knows what He's doing. He's got this. For me, in my situation, as I've wrestled with God, I feel like um, what he's been telling me as I spent all this time in Job is stop looking for answers. Stop thinking that you can ever fully understand the situation, Melanie. You can't. You will not fully understand it this side of heaven. So stop looking and thinking confidently that you can figure it all out. And I feel like he's also been telling me, don't get immobilized by the confusion of it. Don't let the confusion of it freeze you where then you, you don't do anything. Don't get into the abstract debates. Look at the people in front of you. Look at how this situation in the United States affects you and the people you love and the community that you love and stand for God on the issues that are near to my heart I feel like God is saying at the local level don't get frustrated by the big picture do what I'm asking you to do with the people in front of you and finally I feel like God is asking me to trust that he hasn't abandoned his throne that there is a reason for the way things are happening that he is in control and even though to me it looks like a heap of unrelated puzzle pieces that's because my perspective is limited it's not because God isn't in control and I can trust that it really is this beautiful picture of God this beautiful story of God that he is painting and I have I may be a small part but I have a part to play and God is asking me to do my part
So to finish, I want you all to go back to your groups. And I want us to spend a few minutes of time in prayer. Prayer for humility. Praying for a proper perspective in our situation, in that confusing situation that we wrote down. And that God would allow us, would give us the grace to trust in Him. To trust that this heap of puzzle pieces is not reality. That reality is this picture. So, go ahead. Let's pray.